Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy. And uh, we're back, hanging out, chilling. It's a hot day here in Salt Lake. I don't know about North Carolina, but it's here. It's hot here. It's hot here, too. Wasn't it just, like, snowing in Park City the other day? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and we had, like, some really nice rain just the other day, and we really need it. Really need it. And um, now it's, like, 80 degrees. This weather, man. Unpredictable. Yeah. Really? We are doing a full-ass episode today. Uh, but we have some fun 30-minute ones planned, so those will be out later. Hey, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Yeah, so just <laughs> sit through this long one, and then we'll have some short ones. It'll be a blast. So... Wee! Sorry. I, on our social media, I'm going to start doing, um, like, would-you-rather posts... And I would love it if our listeners would play along because I'm going to save responses. And for one of our 30-minute episodes, I have something fun planned that will involve this Would You Rather game. Uh, but I don't want to give away too much. But keep an eye out for that. And the more that participate, the merrier. Isn't there a mo horror movie out there called Would You Rather? I'm pretty sure there <sighs> is. I think there is, and if I remember correctly, it has Brittany Snow in it, and if I remember correctly, you and I love Brittany Snow. I do love Brittany Snow. I do think she's in it. I have not seen it. It is, and I remember this fucking movie. You're going to hate it, but we should watch it, especially if we do this. <laughs> okay. Well, I have plans, so we'll see if we can get it all together, uh, but I need people to participate for this to, like... It's a good movie. Cool. I'll say that. It's a it's a pretty good movie. I like it. It's It's really fucked up, but I like it. It's really fucked up. <laughs> uh, the Truth or Dare one was pretty fucked up, too. So if it's anything like that, I'm sure it'll be good. Ruth or Dare? Is that the one with uh, Homegirl from Pretty Little Liars? I have no idea. I saw it on Netflix. Um, I think there were a few that came out around the exact same time. I don't know which one I watched. So there was... there's, a Bloom, there's a Blumhouse one, but that one's not on Netflix. But it was good. Netflix. You know what? We'll do some on-air Googling, and I will see. That was so sexy. I'm leaving. Sorry, I was really trying to... <laughs> I was really trying to get that out of the mic. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Uh, that was a dog. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Both of, both of my dogs are in here. What do you want? I think it came out in 2017. Okay. So that's the TV movie. Uh, Truth or Dare TV movie 2017 eight college friends head to a haunted rental for Halloween but when they re uh, replay a game that made the house infamous they awaken an evil spirit intent on stealing their souls yep that's the one I watched it was good I hated the ending only because it's a Mason die what do I know you from it's not a, a complete ending they leave you it's a cliffhanger ending that's what I'm trying to say motherfuckers um, and then, and then there was probably not enough mo enough money to do a second one. No way, Harvey Jillian's in this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to watch it. It's probably he's probably like the comedic relief in that movie. Um, random he side plays... note. Go ahead. I was gonna say he plays Guillermo in what we do in the shadows TV show. Oh, okay. if you don't know who that is, he's funny as shit. Uh, random side note: I just finished a book called My Heart Is a Chainsaw. And it's like a slasher horror book. It is good. 
Uh, it's like really slow um, and then it kicks off and it's so good. Uh, I recommend everybody read it. There's a second book coming out July 22nd or something as a sequel to it. Um, the author has done a bunch of different horror, but if you're a reader, read it. So looking into this Truth or Dare movie really fast, um, apparently we have to watch this because a girl wears cat ears in it. And I mean, that's pretty close to having a cat in a movie. That... I mean, I've already watched it, so catch up. But it has oh. been a long time since we've had a cat in a movie. <laughs> yeah, man. This one has another dog. I guess I should tell you what movie we're watching. So <laughs> it's been a long week, guys. It's only Thursday. It's the one with the dog. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Duh. There's so many. Oh, we should watch Pet Cemetery. Cats. Duh. Okay. Anyways, we watched A Haunting in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> it came out in 2013 and it is currently streaming on Netflix if you want to go watch it. Um, yeah. It was directed by Tom Elkins, um, and this is his only director credit, to be honest. Uh, he's been editor for movies um, for a movie set to be released this year called The Devil's Light, which is about a nun that is set to perform an exorcism and comes face to face with a demonic force with mysterious ties to her past. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, or so the description on IMDb says. It could be good, I guess. I mean, um, Haunted Nuns is getting a little bit overdone, but... Yeah, The Nun came out, and now it's like, Nuns shit. And I'm like, eh, I kind of still love American Horror Story Nun. So, like, Asylum was a really good season, just gotta say. Is that the second one? Yeah, that's the second season. I have thoughts about that, but someday we should do the TV series, that, like, one season at a time. Oh, I would love to. We'll work that in this year cool cool but he was also an editor on annabelle child's play the 2019 version a 2017 remake of flatliners the first okay. hunting in connecticut and he also wrote and performed a couple of songs in the first film the first uh, haunting in connecticut fancy um jack of many trades as they say a tom of many trades i should say there you go um he's also listed as a reporter at reporter number four specifically in a haunting in connecticut too so he um decided to be in his own movie honestly when i read a lot that, of directors do i was like there were reporters in this film so that's how memorable that part was <laughs> you know i feel that <laughs> uh the script for this was written by david Cogshaw, possibly? Yep. I think you're good on that. I think you got it. He was a consulting producer for the show 1000 Ways to Die and staff writer of Scream, the TV series, as well as the TV series Lore. He is also a writer for Orphan First Kill, which is listed as completed, but there hasn't been a release date yet. I think it was supposed to come out, or people thought it was going to come out February of this year, and it didn't. Also, I'm super bummed because when I was trying to find the release date for this, I accidentally read the ending of The First Orphan, or like the big reveal. I haven't seen that movie. Now I know, and I'm bummed about Damn. it. I know, and I'm like, why bother? Uh, 
It was... Oh, I'm sorry. It was rumored to be released January 28th this year, but then it didn't come out and no one has any release date for it. Uh, but David is also working on another project called Damon House. Demon House? With little details, except it's another family haunting type story. There's a lot of those out there. They're really popular. <laughs> As we talk about one. <laughs> The uh, the production company is Gold Circle Films, uh, an array of films. They've done an array of films like uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is I actually really love that movie, to be I honest. I do, too. Um, White Noise, Because I Said So, which is also a really fucking good movie. Um, always reminds me of Jaden, to be honest. Uh, she. Uh, they also did A Haunting in Connecticut, The Fourth Kind, which, fuck that movie. Just I'll throw that out there. Um, like uh, life as we movie, know it, because it's and creepy? pitch perfect trilogy. I fucking hate that movie. That movie scares the shit out of me. <laughs> it's done really well. I, I fucking so. hate that movie. Like it's, it's, it is done well. Don't get me wrong, but like it actually like it creeps me out. Like it gives me the chills. Like I, like, my body freaks out. I don't like it. That is just one movie that has always gone to me, and I know it's the dumbest thing. I know I'm very aware, <sighs> but it fucks with me every fucking time. Well, now we have to do it. Oh, great. Oh, great. Uh, so It's cool. I like Aliens, let me just say, but, like, that movie's just a fucking trip and a half, and the fucking... That woman looks crazy! Make, I'm sorry. They make her look really creepy. Yeah, dude. So, anyway, spoilers. There's, there's gonna be spoilers ahead. So, there's not a whole lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff to talk about for this film, uh, but we do have a good chunk about the true story it's based off of. I say with sarcasm in quotes, uh, for which we will get into later. But the biggest spoiler for this film, if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead an hour and a half because it's the whole film. Uh, the biggest spoiler I'm going to give away right now has n this film has nothing to do with Connecticut. At all. No, not at all. <laughs> not 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 one bit. There's there's nothing to do with Connecticut. This is literally it. Literally is called Ghosts of Georgia. This movie is based in Georgia. There's there's no connection. Uh, they don't mention Besides Connecticut. Besides maybe the Warrens. There's no characters in Connecticut. The Warrens have nothing to do with this. So, literally nothing to do with Connecticut. They were just trying to feed off of the frenzy of the first film, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, there's your spoiler. Also, another spoiler. The photo on the movie poster, which is this girl floating in air. Not Doesn't a, happen. Yep, not even a character in the film. I don't know who that is. Uh, but there's no floating. No levitation of any kind. Yeah. So. If you want that, go watch Charmed. You'll get a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that poster looks more like gives me conjuring vibes mm -hmm. uh yeah but there you go Those, there's the spoilers <laughs> and it kicks off right off the bat by saying it's based on the true story not a true story but the true story which i thought was a weird choice of words you know <laughs> and okay yeah again we'll talk about that after we go through the movie into the movie we go then Hit it. Anything else you need to add? <laughs> um, 
I personally did not want to get into a whole bunch of the details for this film. It's very straightforward. So yeah. this is kind of a a glimpse into the world of the haunting of Georgia that was not in Connecticut. Yeah. The haunting of Georgia. We should just call it the haunting of Georgia. We're going to just rename this the haunting of Georgia. So I, the reason they didn't is because there is like a documentary or a docuseries titled haunting of Georgia. So I think that's one, all ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> one reason why or something like that. I don't know. All right. Anyways, into the movie we go. It starts June 14th, 1993 in Atlanta. I was not born yet. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I was. Yeah, you were. Uh, it's June 2nd, so I mean, like, we're close into time at least. But uh, Lisa, is it Wyrick? Is that how you pronounce that? I think Wyrick pretending not to acknowledge the ghost woman standing in the corner of her room is sitting there. She's crying on her bed. This is Lisa, played by Abigail Spencer. Um, she's been a character in How I Met Your Mother. Uh, she's known as Blah Blah. That uh, is and wh- how her character is listed. <laughs> yeah. Blah Blah. Uh, she's also in other TV shows with decent parts, but her only horror role is is this. It's it's her only thing that she's got anything related to, I think. Um, so... One of the things I didn't understand about this opening scene, and I'm not sure if you figured it out, is she in, like, a psychiatric facility, or is this their old home? No, I think that's her old home. Okay. I It was weird. Continue. That was my one question. <laughs> You're like, I must know this. Um. So, yeah, no, it... It does show that she is on, like, psychiatric medications to, like, help her with her visions of these dead people and ghosts and things like that. But she, from what I know, it's her old home. Um, but she is joined by her husband, Andy, and daughter, Heidi. Hey, my husband's name, well, my future husband's name is Andy. Um, and they're at their house on June 16th, 1993 in Pine Mountain, Georgia. So that sounds really pretty, at least. Andy, wait, why, Rick? That's so hard for me to say. Andy Wyrick, it, why, yeah, is played by the charming and forever handsome man I've had a crush. Well, I did have a crush on when I was little. Uh, Chad Michael Murray. Remember when he was in House of Wax? I do. Yeah, I do. He looks the same, just like a little bit older. Oh fuck! Yeah, dude, he like never, never changes. Um, most recently he was in Riverdale. That's the thing I think I remember seeing him in recently. But uh, the why do I not remember him in Riverdale? I know I watched, the, maybe I'm just not caught up. I he's am a little the, bit behind. He's the cult leader in season four or five or something like that. Strange. Okay. I believe you. I just haven't seen him. But he's also in like uh, a Cinderella story and Freaky Friday. <laughs> and Gilmore Girls. Movies. He looks weird in Freaky Friday with his long hair. But anyways. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that the like real person that this is based off of was was like fucking chad michael murray like all right because yeah he does not look like chad michael murray but no. <laughs> no i would be stoked please cast me somebody as be- as somebody better <laughs> what is that movie where they're like make sure oh 
it's 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 scary movie when they're ma- I think it's scary movie too when they're making fun of people making a movie and they're like yeah somebody's gonna catch me as or cast me as Jennifer Love huge tits. <laughs> oh, I love scary movie. Sorry guys. But they also do that in Scream. But anyways. Yeah, that's true. Oh, their daughter is named Heidi and she is played by Emily Alib Lind. <clears throat> Sorry who was in the Revenge TV series as the young Amanda Clark. She's in Dr. Sleep. <clears throat> and then she plays uh, in The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. I really liked The Babysitter, personally. I, haven't I need to Killer watch Queen those. I haven't, I haven't watched those, but I really liked her in Dr. Sleep. She was, uh, sh- she was cool. She was cute. I really liked Dr. Sleep. That's a good movie. <clears throat> Uh, she's also in the new Gossip Girl, but I but wouldn't know anything about that. I never watched Gossip Girl, the original, so it's cool. I it's watched, fine. I did watch the original, but... It's just never my thing. <clears throat> I watched weirder shows. <laughs> um, so, almost immediately, Heidi starts seeing this older white man that she calls Mr. Gordy, and... The mom claims it's an imaginary friend and, and uh, it's it's like a better alternative than, you know, a creepy predatory vibe of this guy. Which it is. It is kind of a weird vibe. Um, but she tries to convince her mom that Mr. Gordy is real, but Lisa disc- uh, discounts it and assumes her daughter has the same hallucinations that she does just because she see- sees ghosts. Although that is probably their main reason that she does. Just saying. Um, Heidi find, finds companionship in Lisa's sister Joyce, who is a wild and freewheeling one of the family with red hair and beautiful, and I, I love her, but um, she decides to move into an abandoned RV just on the property so she can live with her sister and their family. She is played by Katie Sackoff. Uh, she has two wins, including the 2015 Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Supporting Actress in Oculus, and uh, the majority of her 13 nominations and one win are for Battlestar Galactica, which um, I'm sure a lot of people loved her in. This actress, Katie, is 5'6", but in this film, she looks like an Amazonian goddess because next to Abigail Spencer, who plays Lisa, she looks huge, like so tall. But Lisa's fully is also 5'6", or listed as 5'6", and I'm like, no way are they the same height. But they look different in this film. They look... Yeah, I always just feel short because I just, I'm short. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I don't know if they did that intentionally, but it's, uh, it messes with my brain when they do things like that. Maybe heels or something? <clears throat> um... She's been in Halloween Resurrection, Oculus, uh, Riddick, and many other various superhero shows. She's been in a lot of stuff. They do like a practical magic thing where it's like the brunette practical sister and then the redhead wild crazy child. Because we're crazy. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. Joyce explains to Heidi that the women in their family that the women in their family are born with a veil over their eyes in which uh, it allows them to see into the in between where the dead linger like the dead lingering souls are are they hang out it's where they're kind of like trapped almost maybe so the way that Joyce 
teaches Heidi to like see into the veil or through the veil or whatever you want to say, whatever prepositional word you want to put there, mm-hmm. uh, is the same way that witches are taught to like see auras um, where you kind of are supposed to like see past things. Um, so I just thought that was kind of a cool thing. But I did look up what she meant because she said specifically that the women in their family were all born with a veil over their eyes and it's not just a metaphor it's like a literal thing so in the real world being born with a quote-unquote veil is called an in-call birth or a mermaid birth and this is when a baby comes out still inside or partially wrapped in the amniotic sac and so according to care.com this occurs one in 80,000 births. That's, <laughs> it reminds me of when they like unveil one of the orcs in Lord of the Rings. And exactly. It's, like, covered in that goo. That is exactly what happens. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Oh my God. Uh, that's cool though. Like mermaid birth. That's fancy. I'm a mermaid birth child. Well, cause. That sounds cool. Like cows, right? They come out like that. That's why animals are so sensitive is because they get born in sex. There you go. <laughs> uh, an article by How Stuff Works says that Roman midwives sometimes stole these, they're called calls, the like leftover amniotic sac, and sold them to lawyers who believed that merely possessing one would help them win a case because they were associated with good luck. Other cultures thought if they powdered it, then it would cure malaria. Some believed that these babies were particularly lucky and that they were immune from drowning as long as the baby keeps the leftover sac its whole life. So just hang on to it. Uh, They've been carried into battles. Men would keep keep it and like put it in their armor because they thought it would protect them. sailors used to take them with them on ships for good luck but basically that's that's weird just (laughs) any situation where someone was desperate for some good luck they would try and take one with them if it was available that's weird (laughs) yeah you know some people put lockets of their loved ones they carried amniotic sacs so yeah you know it's my my uh, my wife's amniotic sac my baby was born in it i had to pull it over their eyes you know Super precious. Keep it with me for all the time. Good luck, you know. <laughs> right over my heart. <laughs> right. It's it's just like taped over his heart. <laughs> anyway, that's gross. Okay. Yeah. So back, back to the movie. Turns out that Lisa can also see through the veil, but her mother had convinced her it was just a mental illness, only to come back and be the, the woman ghost that never leaves her alone and is trying to get her to go. Let the ghosts in. See them. It's okay. Let them in. Let them in. <laughs> Be one with the veil and see the ghosts. Nice. Good, good change. I love it. <laughs> so. When Disney, it's like when punk goes pop, but it's. Yeah. When Disney goes horror. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Figured it out. Okay. So when, uh. So she, Lisa is not budging at least, at least, like at all, a little on this whole believing in the veil. When uh, June twenty second, nineteen ninety three comes around, Heidi reveals that Mister Gordy told her about money buried in the garden, 
and a swing that used to hang from a tree, both of which turned out to be true. Um, so, you know, that's cool. The two days later, Joyce does a research reveal showing Lisa that Mr. Gordy was the last owner of the house who Heidi positively identifies from a lineup of random man old man photos, which is done in the funniest way. I'm trying to pick an old man for myself. Um, yeah, I know. But he had owned uh, the land from 1901 to 1978, uh, according to the newspaper, or that was his obituary, I believe. And I think that was his obituary, wasn't it? I had intended to actually screenshot that. Um, you but nevertheless, his... <laughs> yeah, you just keep going. Cool. Uh, so, nevertheless, his family had owned the land for many generations, continue on, and uh, he, I think he was the last owner before the bank took it over or he died when the bank took it over i can't remember to be honest i'm sorry i think he died and then they took it over okay that makes sense all right so his obituary was written by matt gatlin it says james gordy who helped develop the university's department of music in arts and sciences in 1950 died friday march 1st 1978 after an apparent heart attack with it gets really blurry well something he was 77 okay, so on july 7th 1993 the local pastor jordan wells stopped by the wyrick house and informed them that the ancestor of mr gordy who used had used his land as a stop in the underground railroad and for those listening internationally who may not know the history of America, uh, it was an incredibly terrible racist place. And even though it still pretty much is, uh, it was more so in your face racist during the time of slavery. In a nutshell, the Underground Railroad was a network of hiding places that worked to hide those escaping slavery by helping them sneak from the south into the north where they could be quote-unquote free no one really knows when it started because it was after all a secret and you know two can keep a secret if one of us is dead and according to history.com <laughs> love me some pretty little liars uh, thank you too it's okay the earliest mention of the Underground Railroad came in 1831 when an enslaved man named Tice Davids escaped from Kentucky into Ohio and his owner blamed something called the Underground Railroad for helping Davids to freedom. Vigilance committees created, I'm sorry, let me restart that. <laughs> there were these things called vigilance committees which were created to protect escaped enslaved people from bounty hunters because even though you would get out they could still like snatch you and take you back and lovely uh yeah it wasn't a wasn't a good time no in new york in nine i'm sorry 1835 and in philadelphia in 1838 which is where these committees really took hold soon they began to expand their activities to include guiding enslaved people who were on the run and like helping them hide. So the Underground Railroad consisted of conductors, which were the people who would, you know, lead them out. Uh, stations, 
and their station masters. So stations are obviously the places where they would hide. The station masters were the people who were running those stations. And in America, probably the most famous and well-known conductor is Harriet Tubman. She was Mm -hmm. born an enslaved woman. She did escape and she kept going back to help family and friends and basically anybody who wanted to. Uh, She was helping them navigate the railroad the same way that she had. She would take them as far as Canada because the U.S. was not safe for them, no matter how far north you went. Um, But once they hit another country, they were safe. And Canada was like, welcome. We are kind people, eh? We like people. While everyone accepts that Harriet is an all-around badass, brave boss. Many people don't know that she also worked as a soldier and a spy during the Civil War. And also for international folks, uh, there is this big war that happened in the United States called the Civil War. (laughs) And that's when the northern states of the U.S. were fighting against the southern states from 1861 to 1865 basically because of slavery. The Civil War ended in the emancipation of enslaved people and and ended legal slavery. Although, as we mentioned in the Antebellum episode, not all slaves saw freedom immediately. It took many, many years. But to bring Man, up, that movie was a fucking mind trick. Yeah, that one was good. Was good. <laughs> that was so good. Uh, but to bring it back to Harriet Tubman, she became the first woman to lead an armed military operation in the United States in what is known as the Combahee Ferry Raid. And I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. History.com says that Tubman Partment partnered with an abolitionist who commanded the 2nd South Carolina Volunteers. It was an all-black regiment, and together the two planned a raid along the Combahee River to rescue a bunch of enslaved people recruit them into the Union Army and destroy basically whatever they could of Southern property. There you go. Uh, there were they appro- the agenda and they did it. Yeah. They were like, A, B, C, there is no D. This is going to happen. D is done. Yeah. D is done. It's, it's that check mark at the end that's like, done, finished. D is get a drink, have a snack. There you go. <laughs> there were approximately 300 men in this regiment, and then Tubman rounded up about like eight additional scouts. And her and her group of people, they would sneak out and like reconnoiter, um, basically. So they would map out the area. They figured out where. I don't know what the words were, and I didn't write them down, of course. But there was dangerous stuff along the river that they had to avoid. So they figured all that stuff out. They figured out where the enslaved people were. They helped get word to them that a raid was coming, where to meet so that they could be rescued, all that jazz. On the night of the raid, yeah, apparently the there's about to be a new Chicago Broadway tour happening. New fancy. But anyways, that is neither here nor there. <laughs> On the night of the raid, Tubman guided the ships towards strategic points near the shore where fleeing slaves were waiting and Confederate property could be destroyed, all while leading the steamers away from known torpedoes. Hmm. She was kind of important. It's just a little. Just, just a little. Just a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the... 
entire mission was considered a success as they rescued more than 700 escaped peoples. They destroyed a shit ton of property. And uh, sources, some people say that like there was no loss of life for the Union side, but uh, Tubman is recorded saying that she saw some awful things during that time, <laughs> so who knows. Uh, but despite how much she helped with that whole thing, she did not get compensated at all for anything that she did. She did petition the government several times to get paid for her duties as a soldier, and she was denied because she was a woman and women were not allowed to be in the military. And this is what we call nowadays intersectional feminism, but that is not today's topic. So, uh... <laughs> books that would be good to read about her if you want to learn more about her. Uh, there's Harriet Tubman, The Road to Freedom by Catherine Clinton, Harriet, The Moses of Her People, a biography of Harriet Tubman by Sarah Hopkins, and Bound for the Promised Land, Harriet Tubman, Portrait of an American Hero by Kate Clifford Larson. She is really cool to read about because she did not think about herself the way that we think about her she was very much just like I was just going back to get my family like I did not do anything special um I was just doing what people should have been doing anyways so it's pretty cool how humble she is rumor has it that the south thought it was like a legitimate railroad system so they spent a lot of time looking for an actual train and a railroad where's this fucking track <laughs> yeah uh, they didn't understand it was like a metaphor, so that was helpful uh, and very misleading. Tricky, I'm sure. tricky. I don't know how true that is that they thought it was an underground railroad I system. But, I can't imagine that. Um, I'm sure some people were like really into that idea. <laughs> every every era and every generation has their conspiracy theorists. In every generation, a conspiracy theorist is born. <laughs> Oh, man, uh, that's so funny. But needless to say, the Underground Railroad was scary. They could only go at night. They didn't have lights. They had to go through swamps. Uh, you just had to pray and hope that where you were going, the station you were aiming for, was available when you got there. Um, yeah, scary. I, mm -mm. There is... Bad, bad time in life. Uh, there's also a lesser used underground railroad that led to Mexico, where slavery was already illegal, because the states was well behind on that idea. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was kind of cool. There's like this whole side story that you can look up about how communities in Texas now claimed Texas um, and areas like that were really helpful to escaped enslaved people. I hate saying that they, like, escaped, but, um, just because that sounds, like, dirty, but it's not. Anyways, uh, this is all a very roundabout way of saying that the land they just bought, the Wyricks just bought, was the site of a station, and the station master was killed for helping to ferry escaped peoples to the north. That is how I brought that right back around to the film, and you can take it back from there. <laughs> okay, so, <clears throat> although it turns out the station master was also into uh, taxidermy, 
he had begun practicing his craft on um on, on those hiding which which was kind of sad and which is super upsetting for many reasons beyond just how twisted and gross it ended up being but number one there would be no record of these people disappearing no one would be looking for them no equivalent of modern day serial killers choosing victims there was nothing they there was no way of tracking this um unless he talked about it in reality yeah they were like the what is it called low i don't know i don't know what they use in criminal minds i forgot the word but um yeah nobody would care because they weren't looking for them anyways um, number two, he was supposed to be an ally that they put all of their hopes and faith into and ended up destroying that, obviously. Um, and number three, he also did fairy some before that, um, and this just happened to be the group that he decided to murder for some random reason. Yeah. It's, maybe maybe it was a smaller group. I'm not sure, but it's... It, it's very weird. The timing was kind of impeccable because... It's like the group he started doing this on, and then he gets killed. So he probably would have done it to many more people. Yeah. So, like like she said, he did get killed for being the station master, master shortly after he started stuffing humans. And unfortunately, because no one was accounting for these groups, some were left trapped in his hideaway hole and died there. And they just, like, just rotted there. Uh, that's so terrible and gross. Yeah. Um, that's so sad. How scary. I don't want to think. Yeah. Of Move on. Um, <laughs> it was the last group that haunted the lands and, and reveled, revealed themselves uh, to the family. And only two named in the film were, there were only two named in the film. Uh, they were Levi and Mel. I wrote that wrong. It was Nell. I just. Okay. I that's what I thought. I was like. Before. So, yeah, Levi and Nell, um, which were the escaped couple in love who were last known to be around in 1858, which were the blind woman's ancestors. Uh, once the family figures out that they decide, uh, figures this out, they decide to leave, but don't do it quick enough because, of course, you lose the, the, the excitement. I cannot tell you how frustrated I was when they're trying to make this grand midnight escape and she's in there like packing all of her dishes in paper and stacking them into the boxes and I'm like bitch you are not moving right now you are running away yeah GTFO la casa <laughs> so the station master's ghost was particularly dangerous which is why Mr. Gordy never uh, let anyone on the land before he died so nobody was on his property like ever um, Joyce ended up um, she has like a, a run in with the station master where she gets sewn up from the si like inside out and is found by Lisa suspended by like hundreds of strings coming out of her mouth attached to the ceiling and it, was, it gave me like a midsummer vibes when he's like filleted and like held in place oh yeah that's true Um, I know this movie came out before that but like that's kind of what it reminded me of and there were like uh, maggots coming like out of her mouth, I think. Yeah, it was maggots Ugh. and sawdust because the yeah. station master was a taxidermist, and when he and got he was stuffed, he was stuffed. Yes, when he got killed, they did it very brutally. They were not fun. Um, no. 
and they stuffed him, and so he would stuff his victims. In life and in death. So, meanwhile, Heidi uh, ended up in, like, this Heidi hole of the Station Masters, and her dad thought it was, like, a brilliant idea to speed off into the dense woods at night and, you know, with his truck, and then he crashes, because, of course, speeding in woods is a terrible idea in the first place. Um, but his concussed ass decides to wander around aimlessly looking for Heidi in the middle of, like, the fucking woods uh, in the dark. And he, um, he does absolutely nothing useful in the climax of this film. He's just like... No, it's, it's all the women. It's just the women. Because women stand strong, goddammit. <laughs> he was just, like, wandering around, bleeding from his dome, being like, Heidi... Lisa ends up finding Heidi, er, finding Heidi and where all of the the um, taxidermied people are that he liked to work on. Um, and that made it easy for her to distinguish which ghosts she was seeing. Because, I mean... It's very Jeepers I, Creepers. Um, it, it is. Because it's um, like a cave and they're posed and it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she ends up, you know, letting them in. <laughs> Let him in. I don't remember what you said, to be honest. Um, but they end up destroying the station master, supposedly being released, and everyone is saved. La di da. Well, everyone except for Mr. Gordy, who becomes the grandfather ghost to Heidi that she always wished she probably wanted. I don't know. I and don't he know was probably lonely. And yeah, he, he was... probably loved like having a little bit of attention and like being able to see a little granddaughter type esque thing. Yeah, he was adorable. Hey, coming from somebody who doesn't have grandfathers and never really had much of a grandfather because he died when I was super little, um, I would fucking love a grandfather ghost. <laughs> like, I, I get jealous of people that have grandfathers, to be honest, because, like, I I never got one, really. The first would-you-rather question. Would you rather have a grandfather or a grandfather ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so... The the end of the film says the family stayed in the house for five years, and Lisa never had another vision after that. Um, the station master was played by Sam Polin. And he uh, is typically a makeup department person, um, but he's been in a lot. He's worked on a lot of stuff, and I wanted to point some stuff out, but now I have to find it. Makeup department. Uh, he did Army of the Dead, Insidious the Last Key, The Conjuring 2, Insidious oh, Chapter 3. He worked on True Blood, the TV series, Stan Helsing, the original Haunting in Connecticut. I love Stan Helsing. <laughs> uh, while she was out, Stargate, which he also has an acting credit for, and Snakes on a Plane. Uh, that's awesome damn he did brightburn too yeah he's been on brightburn's like a evil superhero or evil superman kind of deal it's really good actually that's a that's a movie that we could totally do brightburn i feel like i just saw on somebody's imdb that there's another one but he does a lot of behind the stuff or behind the scenes stuff he's he's a lot of the special effects makeup department kind of thing pagana delio so it's kind of cool to see him act he's got three credits of acting <laughs> i'm just um, surprised was it wasn't a stunt double you know usually it's a stunt double who does <laughs> yeah that was yep that's basically it for that f film but yep, that. there were a couple of things 
So this film does not have a lot of stuff for like behind the scenes. There's not, it's not, it's an older film. I guess we weren't into blogging every detail of everything back then. But we say older film. It came out in 2013. It's It's fucking 10 years old. (laughs) That's old, right? Uh, God, that's old. I'm 27. How do you feel? I'm young at heart. (laughs) So there were a couple of things that I noticed that I wish that I could find somebody talking about, but I couldn't find anything. But the thing that I noticed, one, uh, there's a scene where Heidi is putting butterfly stickers on her window. Mm-hmm. And Joyce has a giant butterfly tattoo on, I think it's like her right shoulder blade or something. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if like that was intentional or not. Uh, because of course, butterflies, there's a whole bunch of uh, metaphor there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and I wish I knew if that was intentional or not, because I like to think that it was. And the mom of Lisa, who's like haunting her the whole time, which like, what a terrible way to be haunted by your mother. Uh, Yeah. She appears in the surfaces, like in windows and stuff, looking into the house whenever Nell is like walking through the house. Um, You first see her. I don't know if this is the first time you see her. The first time I saw her was when Lisa's looking above her kitchen sink. Her mom's face like takes over her face and then she hears the walking behind her. Uh, The next time where it's really prominent that I noticed it is in Heidi's room. She shows up in the window and Nail walks out of Heidi's room and down the hall. Um, So I don't know if she was there to be like look these are good ghosts like I'm watching out for you trust them help them or if she couldn't come into the house for some reason like I don't know well she was in the bathroom I don't know but um that was just something I noticed like she was always present whenever Nail was walking around the house yeah um and then there's not really a graveyard nope nobody really died um except for the people who are already dead uh because right. of the taxidermist so yeah because um fuck the station man uh, master i almost said manager <laughs> yeah and it's so upsetting because he probably like we said he probably did help a lot of people before then and then his whole like reputation is tarnished because of that yep but at the same time um fucking gross yeah bro ill <laughs> ill he should have just hunted down some of the racist Ku Klux Klan that... Yeah, see, there you go. Just fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Take I... the fucking racist assholes out of the fucking picture and boom, you're fine. Your yeah. your reputation's still pristine. There you go. <laughs> Murder's bad. Don't murder people. Yeah, please don't do this. Don't stuff people. Don't get caught murdering and stuffing people. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. Just ask yourself, should I murder people? No, no, I shouldn't. No. Buffy wouldn't do it. Faith would, Buffy so do don't it. do that. But, yeah, uh, don't be don't be Faith. She may be hot, but don't don't be Faith. Yeah. <laughs> she might be five by five, but it doesn't work like that. The director and She trusted the principal. Terrible idea. Not the principal. She trusted the fucking She just needed a daddy. 
She had daddy issues. That was her thing. Yeah. Big daddy issues. She had lots of daddy issues. <laughs> anyway. This has turned into Buffy talk. <laughs> it's okay. Apparently, there were a lot of deleted scenes in the DVD. There's 13. Uh, director oh, Tom Elkins, he, because like we said, he was an editor before. He kind of knew where to draw the line. Uh, he said in an interview, I made the very conscious decision to put in a lot of those deleted scenes as extras on the DVD because I believe they're very strong and I think they provide a window into a different version of the movie that might have existed. And I think audiences enjoy that kind of thing. I was interested right. to see what the deleted scenes were, if they are so profound that they could like completely alter the movie. Because typically deleted scenes are just like an extra 30 seconds of people doing stupid stuff that really doesn't yeah. bring anything i could yeah. not find the deleted scenes anywhere online yeah i tried there's nothing um i couldn't find anyone talking about them really so if you have the film which i'm sure people don't uh let us know if they're worth <laughs> anything <laughs> are they really that profound uh there is a spot where nope talked about that already uh, the last thing I can find about this film is it was filmed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because they didn't want to film it in Georgia or Connecticut. So they went to Louisiana. <laughs> I'm so confused now. Which state are we talking about? Which one had the haunting? <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, the true life story <laughs> happened in California. Just are kidding. you fucking kidding? No, I'm no. kidding. <laughs> but that would be funny. I was like, I thought it was Georgia. I'm so fucking off now. So that the, would be bullshit. Oh my god. That would be funny, huh? Which the, state is this haunting in? That's what the movie should be fucking called. Guess which haunting. <laughs> so the true story of this is wildly different than the movie. We'll just start that out. The why feel that. Yeah. So the Wyrick family moved to Ellerslie, a small town in Harris County, Georgia, in the late nineteen eighties. The oh, it is Georgia, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Twas Georgia. Just gotta it, make sure you know. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, it was here that at the age of three, Heidi claims to have seen her first ghost, which was indeed a Mr. Gordy. She saw Mr. Gordy for five years, and he was very much the sweet grandpa featured in the film. Okay. She, so they got one part right. <laughs> yeah, that's it so far. She also had a specific experience with another spirit she named Khan, which uh, started, I think, when she was eight or ended when she was eight. I'm not really sure. There's a lot of okay. uh, tiny details that get changed um, because in other places it says that she saw Mr. Gordy first and then Mr. Khan slowly like followed after that and she saw both of them for five years and then they she didn't see them anymore so i don't know who knows uh but those two she did see together at the wyrick house in georgia heidi the first time she saw con said that he first appeared to her standing in the front door in a bloody t-shirt and a bandaged hand lisa being a mom uh went instantly to someone is trying to kidnap my my adorable Heidi. And so, again, this is where stories diverge. One story says dad went out. Another story says both parents left. Um, 
I'm going to say just the dad went because as a mother, I wouldn't leave my eight-year-old at home if I just thought she tried to get kidnapped. But um, yeah. that is neither here nor there. But uh, dad, Andy, went into the night searching the entire neighborhood for someone who fit that vague but obvious description. And of course, he didn't find anyone. And I find this interesting because Heidi said that... Sorry, I... I'm starting over. Okay. So I found that very interesting because I have a few thoughts about this like night quest that the dad went on. Night quest. I like it. Um, If it was a real ghost, like, of course, he wouldn't find it. But if it was a legitimate person, so many questions. Did he really think he was just going to like wander around the streets and happen upon a guy in a bloody shirt and a stumpy hand? Um, And if he did what was he planning to do? Like, they didn't call the police as far as I know. There's nothing saying, oh yeah, we called the police. There was a report made that a man showed up bloody. Um, Was he going to like beat the shit out of him? Was he going to do like a citizen's arrest? Was he going to be like, yo, dude, you're bleeding. Can I help you? I don't know. So many scenarios. Um, Also, if I had a bloody stumpy hand and I just walked into some house uh, and a little girl saw me and screamed, I would not just go wandering the streets. I would be hiding. <laughs> be like, oh, shit. Wasn't a good idea. Uh, I take it back. I take it back. But also, being Lisa, if I heard that there was a man in my doorway, not in the house, but, like, standing at the front door, covered in blood with a bandage, my first thought wouldn't be, oh, he's trying to kidnap my daughter. He's got one hand. That's useless. I would be like, bro you need a hand like do you need help should i should i call 911 (laughs) i make that joke all the time because i have like skeleton like tongs like hand tongs so i'm like you need a hand that's just fucking rude like let me help you uh hand there bud the other thing is if this was like a slasher film obviously the dad would have left and then that guy would have been like hiding in their their closet or something and then the second mom put Heidi to bed or some shit or left her alone he's a statue on the front porch that the dad didn't even see when he ran out yeah he probably just was hiding behind a fern I don't know but yeah you don't I don't know so many questions you're right you're right um the other alternative that I came up with is that he was a vampire so and he was like is anyone going to let me in? Uh, 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 okay. Just just, just say I can get, Just invite me in. Joyce, just invite... Hey, and there's a Joyce in this. <gasps> it, leads back to Buff, it leads back to Buffy. Yeah, Joyce exactly. Joyce her mom's name, you know. Joyce Summers. Exactly. And uh, Mr. Gordy was standing it. behind her. Going, <laughs> teasing the vampire. And Spike. <laughs> I love that episode so much. Out for a walk, bitch. (laughs) You can't tell, but I just counted on my fingers. If you've seen Buffy, you get it. Anyways. You understand. If you know, you know. You should fucking know. And if you don't know, you need to go fucking know. We'll figure it out. You know what? We'll post the meme for it. It's okay. (laughs) Come into our world. Enjoy our circle. It's worth it. The Slayer is amazing. Anywho, eventually, Lisa 
happened to mention Con and Gordy to her sister, who had just bought the house next door. As it turned out, uh-huh. a man Convenient. named yes, James S. Gordy had indeed lived there. So another story plot thing they kind of put in there, right? The sister lives close. Yeah. Puts all the pieces together. So what they're saying is we need to do extensive research on the houses that we buy right next to each other so we don't end up with ghosts. There is a website called like Who Died Here or something like that where you can pay to see all the reports when that have been put in your house. fucking house. Oh yeah. god, that's a terrible idea. Eventually, oh anyways, they do get in touch with the previous owners which they call the Ledford family. And they verified that James Gordy had died in 1974. Prior to his death, he had owned and operated a real estate company, so he did not work at the university. His primary hobby included being a Sunday school superintendent at Ellison Methodist Church. So wholesome. Hey, we're baptized Methodist. <laughs> Fun I like, fact. I like how you said baptized Methodist, not we are or we were. <laughs> Anyways, I learned about uh, something called atheist satanism incredibly interesting go look it up people tell me what you think my buddy is a registered satanist like actually has a card and everything it's very different than that but yes well i figured but um i also follow the utah pride parade stuff and Mm -hmm. um i saw that they were doing this local church the satan church was doing baptisms or something during pride festival no, oh, that's another, happening this weekend. Another random note. But yes, happy Pride Month, by the way, everyone. Happy Pride Month, guys. Yeah, tis, fuck yeah, guys. Tis the month as we're in the pride. middle of a very depressing moment. <laughs> and there were no pictures of Mr. Gordy around, but someone in the Ledford family confirmed Heidi's description of him having gray hair and wearing a suit, tie, and shiny black shoes. Because, you know, nobody who goes to church looks like that. It's hair, clearly suit, tie, shiny black shoes. Right. Nope. Not not a single person that I know. Nope. Definitely only Mr. Gordy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so much like the film, they did have Heidi look through other photographs and she picked out a, a family member. Sorry. Okay. So they were talking to Catherine Ledford specifically. Heidi picked out her uncle as the guy that she had seen covered in blood with a stump. And his name was Lon Bachelor. And uh, terrible last name. When they yeah. When they reference him, they put Lon and then quote Con Bachelor. So I don't know if his name was actually like if that was a nickname of his or if Heidi just confused it for that. And so that's therefore what he became known as forever. But he right. died of cancer in nineteen fifty seven and prior to that he had lost his land. I'm sorry, he had lost his hand in a tussle with a cotton gin before he was 20 years old. So oh, God. She did apparently see this man. She would continue to see the handless man as long as she saw Mr. Gordy. But he wasn't evil or dangerous or malicious or anything. He was just like there. He's like, help, please, please, please. <laughs> he he was probably the one standing over her being like, you need a hand. And then... <laughs> poking his stump out here child let me use my strong hand (laughs) yes (laughs) good reference scary movie too oh man i've been waiting to use that reference (laughs) the perfect time (laughs) 
Uh, in an interview, Lisa said that Heidi would describe an evil spirit as a dark figure having no features. And in this film, they do originally show the evil spirit as like a silhouette. Uh, prior to them identifying him as the taxidermist station master slash serial killer. So the evil... So sil- was he really a taxidermist? No. So oh. the evil silhouette didn't happen until 1993, which is when the events of this film take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started when Lisa was pregnant with her second daughter. This pregnant. entity pulled Heidi's hair and they believe is the one who scratched the shit out of her and her father while they slept. Lovely. I, depending on where you look, the scratches either happened during the pregnancy or two weeks after her sister Jordan was born. I'm not sure. Couldn't confirm. But they don't describe any physical features besides a black evil silhouette. They never find the source specifically. Um, But this is when shit gets crazy. So because she, all these scratches were happening, uh, this is when the parents really started to take her spirit vision seriously. Prior to this, they kind of just thought she was making stuff up, imaginary friends, stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Um, I did find in another source where the family did experience additional haunting things i don't know if they kind of changed their stories later um and embellished a little bit uh, or if it's just left out of a bunch of places Um, but they did cite uh you know banging cupboards in the night sounding like people were walking whispers stuff like that so who knows i found that in one spot so okay um so the family ended up calling in a parapsychologist, Dr. William Roll. Not the Warrens. Uh, he is a, he, he has a PhD in parapsychology. It's like a whole field. It's a whole thing. Holy he, shit. Yeah. He visited the house in September 1994. And this is when Heidi is said to have picked out Mr. Gordy from a bunch of photos, much like is done in the film. William George Roll II was born July 3rd, 1926 in Bremen, Germany. He had quite a life, which included serving in the Danish resistance movement during World War II. In 1957, uh, Bill, as he was known by his friends, and his family moved to Durham, North Carolina. That's where I work. For a position... At the Parapsychology Laboratory at Duke University, also where so I work. Why the you work there? Oh, what? I Googled it because I was like, no shit, could I really work there? <laughs> um, so this lab is no longer functioning. It is now. Damn it. Because it's not like considered a true science anymore. It um, should be. It's now its own facility someplace else. But, oh, okay. That being said, I think one of our 30-minute episodes is going to be on the history of, like, paranormal investigation, parapsychology type stuff. Like, the science of the paranormal. That's what we're going to call the it. bullshit TV shows that we see all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I learned so much. Okay. I'm going to divert. This will be in the 30-minute episode, but I'm going to divert real quick. There are okay. legitimate, like, theoretical papers that talk about um, paranormal 
and like happenings and not just like oh look ep readings but like they did like full-blown ass thesis papers on how psychology can lead to paranormal events and stuff like that like oh, i don't know i'm excited That's so interesting i'm excited to share it with everybody i'm excited to learn about it it'll be good yeah man yeah anyways uh <laughs> back to bill good old bill where back was i bill, bill? Between 1964 and 1985, Bill was the director of the Psychical Research Foundation, where he continued his research in out-of-body testing and ESP experiments with mediums and psychics. Oh, that's a long name. And basically, it stands for Reoccurrent Spontaneous Psychokinesis. Don't know what any of those hey. words mean. I'm just kidding. I know what some of those means. But I, <laughs> I, was like, I know what reoccurrence means. Um, I just, I, I'm not sure. Uh how that relates but anyways during yeah. his career as a parapsychologist william appeared on numerous segments of unsolved mysteries in the series a haunting on discovery channel and other television documentaries he served as a faculty member at the university of west georgia and also wrote over 100 scientific papers contributed articles to anthologies edited 11 volumes of research in parapsychology and wrote four books the Poltergeist Theory and Experiment in Psychical Research, Psychic Connections, and Unleashed of Poltergeist and Murder, The Curious Story of Tina Wretch. In 1996, William received the Outstanding Career Award from the Parapsychological Association, and in 2002, he received the Tim Tinsdale Memorial Award for the Society for Scientific Exploration. So he was like a big deal. Dr. Roll, right. age 85, of... Villarica, Georgia. I'm sorry. He died at the age of 85. That's basically where I was going with that. <laughs> at 5.05 a.m. January 9th, 2012 at the McLean County Nursing Home in Normal, Illinois. Because normal. They're normal. And from what I can tell, Dr. Roll's specialty of interest was in the idea that children can manifest a psychokinetic power as an expression of their deep emotional states. Uh, so basically, uh, Firestarter, um, anything where there was an upset child and haunting things happened. In haunted a, children, man. Yep. In a case review of Dr. Roll's investigation in the Heidi Weirich family, there is a paper called PRF Haunting Case Study, The Mysterious Mr. Gordy, written by Brian Williams in association with the Psychical Research Foundation. What a title. Yeah. And he wrote about, he kind of did like a brief overview of what Dr. Roll kind of concluded through the Wyrick family haunting. So it said, and I quote, a somewhat tense psychological situation was noted in the Gordy case. Mr. and Mrs. Wyrick told Dr. Roll that they felt that Heidi had become jealous. The cat just walked in front of my computer, sorry. Of her baby sister, Jordan. That's the only cat in this film is the one that just walked in front of my computer. It's okay, he's cute. Get your ass out of the way, cat. The parents thought Heidi was jealous of their baby sister, Jordan, and angry at her father for paying so much attention to Jordan. On that basis, Dr. Rule speculated that the shadowy apparition Heidi saw, as well as the scratches on her cheek and 
the scratches on her father's body, may have reflected her anger towards him. The scratches stopped once Dr. Roll explained his thoughts to the family about Heidi's feelings towards the baby, and he used the word counseled, so I'm not sure, because he did have, like, a master's degree or PhD in psychology or something, so he may have, like, done some, like, family talking stick circles. I don't know. Uh, However, not everything stopped after that. Mr. Roll did get called back to the, I'm sorry, Dr. Roll. Wow. Did get called back to the Wyrick home in 1999 after two reports of haunting activity. Jordan, who was now age five or six, claimed to have seen an apparition of a girl. Lisa was hearing unintelligible voices at night that frightened her, and a relative who stayed the night in Heidi's room felt pressed down into the bed by an unseen force. Dr. Roll found that the Wyrick home was near a a geological Wow. A geological fault. Although measurements taken of the electromagnetic and geomagnetic fields during the investigations were, quote unquote, within normal range. However, they did note an extreme concentration of positively charged ions in the air in Heidi's room. I don't know if that's like a real thing. I didn't Google it, but we'll go with it. At the time, it was thought that positive ionization may affect people's moods, making them more irritable. So they hypothesized that the excess positive ions detected in Heidi's room may have resulted from underground radioactivity, such as that from the fault or from radon gas seeping into the home. That's not safe. Nope, not at all. And they may have contributed to any unpleasant experiences, such as Heidi's previous anger towards her father. Hmm. Personally, I think that's a bunch of bullshit, but that's okay. A Dr. Roll's solution was to put an air purifier with a negative ion generator. Again, don't know if that's a real thing or if that's like okay. a homemade device. <laughs> I have an air purifier. That thing's nice, but um, I don't know about this whole ion thing. You need to get a negative ion generator just in case. I guess. Maybe, I, maybe it'll help me boost my mood or something. Instead of um, being like, she must be on her period, I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> you clearly need a negative ion generator. <laughs> There's too many positive ions in here. Yes, there you go. Which, people will think we're crazy science people, and then... <laughs> or just crazy. I think you could just stop that at crazy. Too. Yeah, that too. Uh, let me see. So they got the filter, put the ion generator on it. In the meantime, Heidi slept in another room, and from what I can tell, she was fine after that. She does still see spirits to this day. Uh... She, I think she says she still sees the shadowy silhouette thing every once in a while, and it is like a negative feeling. She can tell when spirits are evil, but she's mostly just ignored them. I saw somewhere she got into the medical field. Couldn't tell you what exactly she got into. Uh, cool idea. Don't work in a hospital. I bet there's a lot of ghosts around that shit. Why? Well, yeah, I don't know exactly what she did in the medical field. I couldn't tell you. Um, but a fun note in the case review, it ends by confirming what every haunted horror fan already knows. And that is that memories can be imprinted in places and on objects. It says, quote, how might we possibly explain this? One possible way is to consider the idea of place memory, an idea proposed by the Oxford philosopher H.H. Price. hey Hey. He suggested <laughs> that memories may not only be the property of the brains of living organisms, but also a property of physical space. If that is so, then physical space might somehow retain memories for certain events that might be re-experienced later by those who are sensitive to them. 
providing a possible way to account for well-defined haunted apparitions of deceased people. We all knew that was happening, right? It's in every horror haunting film ever. Well, and water has memory, according to Disney movies, so. Yep. There we go. A YouTube video by Everytown called The Real Hauntings of the Wyrick Family and created by Scary Mysteries podcaster so that they did get a dog. There is a dog in this film, by the way. Nothing bad happens to it. Um, Good. Yep. Damn it. This is a dog-friendly film. Good. But their dog in real life did eventually run away and never came back, and it was reported as acting weird, like staring into corners and barking and stuff. Mm, but it was cute as shit. That's what my dog does consistently. It probably um, got got out, and this was the time before microchipping, and someone found it and was like, you are the cutest dog I've ever seen, and kept it. So there you go. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then, as I said... The family, this is where I heard that the family had experienced different kind of haunting activities, such as hearing voices, doors banging, blah, 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 blah. Additionally, this guy says that Lisa and Joyce had told Roll that their mother used to talk about seeing and hearing people also. So that got put in the film. Uh, Dr. Roll decided that it must run in the family and invited a psychic or medium named Amy Allen to the house. She reported the presence of three spirits. One was fascinated by Jordan. The second was trying to attach, that was their words, not mine, itself to Heidi. Um, and I think that's meant to be the evil one. But a good spirit, Mr. Gordy, was fighting off the entity. Uh, then there was this third demon thing that would wander between the living room and the parents' room. So I think that was kind of how they showed Nell like walking back and forth in the film. Uh, she also said there was a portal between the spirit and living realms in their home located in the fireplace. She declared that the ghosts and demons didn't want to leave the house once they passed through the portal. It's always the fireplace, man. It is said that it's an in-between. It is said... Fuck, you're that... right. God damn it. It's... Stay out of the in-betweens, people. It's not yeah. safe. Uh, anyways, Charmed reference. I just watched that episode on Twitter. Uh, it yeah, is said that they requested a cleansing by their priest, but it didn't really help. And this is the only place where I heard that she had been physically lifted or thrown or teleported or whatever you want to say uh, by the evil spirit, which prompted the family to move, which I guess is where they put that picture on the cover of the movie poster. Uh, hmm. No one who has lived in the house since has reported similar findings. However, um, I did read that in that documentary Discovery Channel series, uh, let's see, in a post on the Unsolved Mysteries website where they talked about this true crime, or not true crime, this true haunting, there was a comment written by a person claiming to be the parent of the little girl who played Heidi in that discovery channel series mm -hmm. and they said that when they were in the house when they were working there um he could or she i think it was the dad but i can't remember uh they said they could feel like a heavy dark weight in the house some rooms were like darker than others i guess um batteries were draining faster than they should equipment was malfunctioning stuff like that bunch of weird shit happened over the two days they were in that house 
Um, but who knows? I didn't find anything happening during the filming of this movie. Um, it wasn't obviously set there, but uh, like The Conjuring, they had weird shit happen and they weren't at that actual house. Right. Um, I don't know how involved the family was in the filming of this. They were there for the Discovery Channel one. That guy is like, oh yeah, my daughter played with Jordan all the time. Uh, but they are included in some of the like trailer behind the scenes thing, like telling their story. So I don't know. Heidi did a lot of interviews around 2008, 2007. I don't know why specifically that year got really big for her. Um, but she continues to see incense spirits every day, like we said. But she doesn't really talk about it anymore because she does not like all the negativity that she got from sharing her story. Um, but she does say she doesn't necessarily regret sharing because other people have been like, wow, I have that same experience. I'm so glad to see other people have it. She does have kids of her own, so she probably is also trying to shield them from that. I'm curious if they got this, like, gene or whatever, um, or if it skipped a generation or you know, whatevs. Um, and your kids see ghosts too. <laughs> Andy Wyrick, the dad, he passed away in 2012 at the age of 45. Damn. Sad day. Yeah, and, that's young. Um, once again, I will repeat this as I did in The Haunting in Connecticut. I <laughs> did not intentionally super snoop, right? I googled a name and up popped a Facebook profile <laughs> for Lisa Wyrick. I glanced at her unsecured Facebook. She really should set some privacy settings. Go on. Uh, she did get remarried. She's changed her last name. I didn't go through all that much. Uh, but I did see... She, did. she just doesn't want to tell us this. <laughs> they all live and work around Columbus, Georgia now. Um, she does have someone listed as Mandy as her sister. So I don't know if Joyce is a made up name for the movie because she didn't want to be included. Uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And Heidi is the only one listed as her daughter, although she does tag Jordan. So I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> no judgments here. Just saying what I saw. Um, Heidi also has gotten married. She has a different last name. We're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Minor snooping, everybody. Jordan. Minor snooping. Jordan has a cat. I found that. <laughs> Heidi has a cat, which apparently is evil, based off this post oh. that Jordan was tagged in. Oh. Um, and Jordan leaves reviews about food places. Okay. Anyways, in the mom's about stuff, um, again, I didn't snoop. It was just right in front of my face. It does, looking. <laughs> it does list that she likes the TV show A Ghost Whisperer, which I thought was interesting because the story is very much like The Ghost Whisperer. Speaking of when I referenced Jennifer Love Huge tits. Get it? Jennifer Love Hewitt is the main actress in that movie. I just show. chose not to acknowledge it because it's a horrible comment. <laughs> I just, but yes, it all comes. I mean, I like her. She's great in the original. I know what you did last summer. 
And that's pretty much it for the true story. If you want to know more about like what actually happened, uh, there's a book called The Veil, Heidi Ryrick's story, was written by Joyce Cathy and Rebecca Harrington. Um, It's also been in a bunch of documentaries, including one called A Haunting in Georgia that came out in 2002, which is probably what spurred all the media stuff that you can find on the internet. And that's it. That's all I got. That's a haunting in Connecticut, too. Something that has nothing to do with Connecticut. Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> that was filmed in Louisiana. That was filmed in Louisiana. God damn it. How many states are included in um, this shit? But yes, in the real life, I didn't find this house listed anywhere near a station, a known station for the Underground Railroad. I couldn't find anything about slavery specific. Not that people are like promoting that but um that whole side story is just something they threw in for the movie it is hearsay but that's it that's the movie we have two 30-minute episodes one of them is parapsychology studies a history a history history how did i phrase it earlier going to hogwarts now I'll find it. Um, And then the other one we're going to do is everyday witchy things. And I'm not sure what that means yet, but we'll find out as we research uh, because this veil thing was very interesting. So those are the two things. And send us us the witchy things that you do so we can reference it in our 30 minute shows. Yes. Also, I did did a cute smile there, but I realized nobody can see it but Izzy. But I did it for you. It's cool, too. It was cute. We would love movie recommendations. Our next movie is going to be A Cabin in the Woods. One of my favorite horror movies. This movie is so fucking good, dude. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> I've seen it once. It's so good. Um, I think someone did request it many moons ago um, as like a comedy cool. one. So it's It's like the perfect horror comedy that has the best tie in the world. So that'll be fun. I'm excited for that one. Hopefully we'll have more to talk about uh, with that one. But if there is anything else you want us to talk about, any movies you want to do, let us know. Keep an eye out for those uh, Would You Rathers. The first one will probably be coming out this weekend. And thank you, as always, for being patient with our lateness. I'm Uh, really good at being late, guys. I'm really sorry. I... Lucy's okay now, though. She's eating and keeping food down, so thanks for understanding. (laughs) shit happens and you can do all of those things we just mentioned on our facebook or instagram at or underscore cats underscore witch hats you can send us a gmail at i'm sorry you can send us an email at horror <laughs> cats witch hats at gmail.com it's all one word and that's our gmail yeah we're still accepting cat pictures always accepting cat pictures did you see my little bilbo cauldron she's just such a cute little bugger <laughs> grow a cat and, it's all on yeah. there. everyday witchy things how to grow a cat <laughs> how to grow a cat how right to keep there. your spirits Boom. in a pot whatever yep. you want to do yeah all right until next time meow meow